Oh, welcome to the Backyard Professor videos. I promised a dear friend of mine, one of the commentators, one of the commenters on my videos, that I would kind of jump into some New Testament materials. Uh, let me give you a brief overview quickly of the historical Jesus, the the most important New Testament figure, if if not in the entire literature of the Western world, is Jesus, of course. And I think more ink has been uh, spilled on him than anybody else, <laughs> if not everybody else combined. And there are some odd things about this historical Jesus that I wouldn't mind touching upon, and I'm going to share with you a few of the books that I have gone through and basically what they're about and all. Not in any particular order, but just to let you see uh, this one thing, Jesus is never going to go away. Uh, and yet, I am, the, the more I look into it, the less likely I am convinced that it's ever going to be solved. And uh, Mormonism has certainly not solved it, uh, and neither has any other church. And the really remarkable thing is, neither has any of the uh, scholarship, uh, secular or religious. It, it just really doesn't matter. So what I want to do is share... I think the intention was to get me to help someone break into how best to approach a study of the New Testament. And I'm not going to lie to you, I, I don't know what would be best for anybody. I can share with you my experience somewhat in this video, and that's about all I can do. And then I have some recommendations for you. Uh, when I was involved in apologetics, I tried really hard to be one of the best informed apologists. And so without overdoing it, I have about 50 books here I'm going to share with you real quick and briefly what they're about and why I found either uh, significant or useless or confusing or whatever. So let me get started. One of the I wanted to do this one with these other ones. Oh, I'll do that one later. Let, let me just start right up front with the, with the best introduction on how to help you in your guidance. With the strict understanding, I know this is technically dated material. Uh, now, when you say that, you got to be real careful, you guys, because anybody who comes up with the new theory and automatically proposes that theory, and then they say, see, everything before this now is outdated and all that. Don't fall for that. I, I, I used to. I don't think so. I mean, it's just, it's the newest fad is all they're presenting. And I, I really don't know if anything can actually be outdated as such. You can't just pull the former materials out from under our feet and keep an anchor. However, William Barclay, the introduction to the first three Gospels, and this is the revised edition. Now, true, it's, it's, uh, doggone it, I, I hate to define it as a beginner's version, because really he goes into a lot of the scholarship. 
you can get this online, I'm pretty sure. I don't know if you, they sell it in the bookstores anymore. It is, it is rather, it's a little bit of an older book. But for an overall introduction into the themes, the comparisons of the different stories in the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all basically tell the same story. They all look alike, so they're called the synoptic Gospels. That's the theme. But for an overview, Barclay is a really decent place to start. He gives you enough meat that it's worth looking into. But he doesn't overwhelm you with all of the scholarly details <laughs> like, say, Croissant, the historical Jesus, does. Now, from his point of view, he's the life of, the, of a Mediterranean Jewish peasant. I didn't find Croissant so convincing, but he's really important to read because every one of these guys, in my opinion, but I'm, I'm kind of a weirdo that way. I, I like to read all sides, but believe none of them, but I need a, as much of a whole comparison as I can get, and that's what turned me off to Mormon apologetics, is they eliminate all this stuff and simply label it the philosophy of men mingled with scripture, and that just doesn't work either. I don't know what works best. I know, yeah, well, just pray to God about it. Okay, fine. In the meantime, we have to use our brains, right? I'm not advocating don't pray to God. I'm just saying, holy moly, man. Let, let's approach this real. Now, that being said about John Dominique Croson, his historical Jesus, his excavating Jesus with Jonathan Reed, uh, that was pretty good. That wasn't bad. And this is actually a newer book. I got the hard copy, uh, I think you can get it in paperback now, it's 2001. See, what happened was, I quit purchasing materials in this subject <laughs> at least 10 years ago, simply because two reasons. It became overwhelming, I could not keep it all in my head, and it, I think the, what is this now, the third or the fourth wave of historical Jesus studies has kind of slowed down. Uh, we just, we don't get to the bottom of Jesus much at all. And that's so interesting. I think one of the reasons why is Richard Carrier's On the Historicity of Jesus, why we might have reason for doubt. It's a very thick book. It's a very dense book. It is an absolutely excellent read. He's either loved or hated. I understand the idea about academic respectability and all that. Well, I have none of that, but that doesn't mean I'm a complete moron dork either. I've done a little bit of reading, enough to get my bearings somewhat. I think what Carrier did is he demonstrated pretty powerfully that the, uh, the scholarship of the historical criteria, there's what, 10, 15, 20 different items of criteria on how we can judge whether something about Jesus, whether it was said or done, is either historical or not, all of those areas of criteria have been questioned now. Not just because of Carrier, however. 
I mean, yeah, the atheist comes along and blows the door off the historical Jesus and their skepticism now about whether he even existed or not. In some quarters, sure. But he didn't, his argument did not carry the day. I'm just saying. Wonderful to read, very interesting to see his approach, and my goodness, I learned an enormous amount of information from him, but there's still a lot of other stuff to read. Uh, Hendrix Boers, Who Was Jesus? Nice little slim volume, fun to read, kind of fill in some gaps. This is the big one, The Quest of the Historical Jesus by Albert Schweitzer. And this is a much, this was on the first quest of or the second uh, quest of the historical Jesus. Schweitzer reviewed everybody and their approach up to his day uh, on, the, on who Jesus was, and he basically concluded, he said, look guys, uh, Jesus is whoever you're going to want him to be, you know. If there's a particular uh, conservative evangelical scholar who studies the historical Jesus, uh, at the end of the day, because of the materials that that scholar selects, because of the nature of how he would interpret various passages in the different Gospels, whether he would even bother paying attention to the Pseudepigrapha or the Apocryphal writings or the Roman historians, uh, Josephus, there's issues with Josephus, Tacitus, etc. Uh, how much of how much of the Roman authors are you going to bring into this analysis? How much of the Greeks? How much of the, the Hebrew? And then we had the Dead Sea Scroll. How much of the Gnostic materials is dealing with a historical Jesus as opposed to a mythical Jesus? And I have mountains of books on the various Gnostics and, and their analysis. Uh, there is just nothing firmly settled yet on Jesus. That's how it is. That is how this subject works. And yet, each analysis brings an extra layer of information that you didn't have before, that uh, it puts a connection in with a particular chapter and verse in Luke with Mark that you've never seen before, uh, it ties in another possible parallel with the Apostle Paul. Uh, you get into the various ascension literatures, the various resurrection types of deities that occurred throughout the Mediterranean. You get the analysis, the involvement, if possible, with the uh, Dead Sea Scrolls. I, Robert Eisenman. James, a brother of Jesus, the book is so heavy that you can lift weights with it and increase your biceps three inches. That one, and then this other one, wherever it went, it's here somewhere, right here. The, uh, oh, the New Testament Code by Eisenman, and then he had another one, uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls and the First Christians. Well, his uh, interpretation was not liked at all by the Orthodox Dead Sea Scroll Christian Jewish community at all because he, uh, he wanted the Dead Sea Scrolls to date up into Christian times and the wicked teacher, the enemy of the teacher of righteousness in the Dead Sea Scrolls to be Paul the Apostle 
And there are some Christians who really don't like it when you make Paul into a bad guy. There's other Christians who really think that's the way it is. See, even the historical apostle Paul is not settled. Robert Price recently wrote a book within the last decade trying to show that even Paul didn't exist historically. I mean, it, it just goes from one, one end of the range all the way out into the other side of the spectrum, and everybody is amassing materials, information, interpretation. Don't we find pretty much the same thing with major historical issues, whether it's Muhammad, Joseph Smith, or who have you, right? History just can't deal with solid truth and reality for the obvious simple reason that we, in our time right here and now, we're forced into interpretation. And really, truly, many of these books that I have that I'll, I'll try like crazy to get through in this video, uh, we're all looking at the same materials. I, I mean, when the Nag Hammadi was found, the, the codices in Nag Hammadi, there was a, a, a limited amount of materials, and so all of us have been looking at those, and yet how many different plethoras of interpretation is based on that same evidence from various people? The Gnostics were completely separate from the Christians. No, the Gnostics came from within Christianity. No, they were heretics that apostatized from Christianity. As if there was such a thing as orthodoxy and heterodoxy in Jesus' day, even that's a modern construct. So there's difficulties, that's true. Yaroslav Pelikan is another real good place to start Jesus through the centuries. He at least gives you a decent overview of the cultural interpretations and aspects of Jesus that kind of gives you, it's, it's a fun little start. It's, it's not too heavy of slogging like Eisenman. Eisenman needed an editor so bad, and yet I really liked his materials. It took me a year to get through his stuff, but... And on the other hand, he was he was damnably frustrating because I couldn't understand a peepicking thing he was saying. I had to <laughs> reread it five or six times to to grasp. And and yet, in some ways, it made sense. I'm going to save that book for later. Uh, a A A N Wilson Jesus, uh, a somewhat skeptical, just down to earth. He didn't really deal with any of the miracles and all like uh, what's-his-nose did. Well, Jesus rem Oh, I want to do that one later, too. Anyway, let me just go through a few of these. This is Jesus Deus. This is by Litwa. Uh, this is fairly new. This was the idea of the early Christian depiction of Jesus as a Mediterranean god, and so he is comparing some of the cultural... Uh, views of some of the deities in Jesus's day also in some of the other religions. This is stellar reading. I loved this book. That one I would recommend to you strongly, just as sure as I did Mark Clay. Mark Clay yeah. Dale Allison Jr., one of my very favorites, The Historical Christ and the Theological Jesus. A small, slim volume. You can get it online very easy. Excellent. Allison is one of my favorites. He is also a Dead Sea Scroll scholar, early Christian scholar. Um, he is the most, he is one of the most uh, down-to-earth 
one of the most credible, down-to-earth scholars on Jesus. Reza Aslan, zealot. Now this one just rose enormous controversy because, of course, he gave a different interpretation than the typical standard blasé bologna sandwich Jesus that Christianity has developed and, and thrown at us for centuries and centuries. He come up with a new view and everybody lambasted him and said, that's not the Jesus we want, so they threw him out. But you ought to read it. It is a very interesting interpretation. Most of the scholars disagree with it. Don't let that be your criteria for whether you're going to read a book about the historical Jesus or not. My advice is read as much as you possibly can. I've been reading for like 20 years or so. I've kind of slowed down and jumped off onto other subjects. I mean, I've got to split my time between historical Jesus, quantum physics, black holes, Mormonism, Gnostics, and... Uh, you know, New Testament, Old Testament, the classics of the Greeks, and uh, Margaret Barker's materials, and uh, the Jewish Zohar and the Kabbalah. I mean, there's only so much you can do, alchemy and all that. And then by the time you turn 75 and can't read anymore, your eyes are shot to hell and your voice is gone. You haven't hardly read anything, and yet you know something for about three minutes. Robert M. Price, the shrinking, the incredible shrinking son of man. Now there's a, there's yet again another uh, atheist interpretation of the New Testament Jesus. And I like Price. He's funny. He's fun. Uh, he's wickedly ironic in many respects. And he really does take good digs at some of the pretentious scholarship on Jesus, right? So, I mean, again, to help counterbalance the total faith and belief school. I like to counterbalance it with, uh, with, with people like Price. And then one of the very best, and you know, I know you either like him or you don't. Um, there's a lot of people who disagree with him. There's a lot of people who find him very credible. The nice thing about Bart Ehrman is he has kept it on a lower level, and I say lower level meaning that dinglings like me can comprehend what he's saying, and yet he does include enough scholarship in his materials that you can really get a good overview. He did start out as a Christian scholar. He's now an agnostic uh, some of his materials are not nearly as good as some of the others. Overall, Ehrman was one of those who basically uh, nuanced my faith and greatly increased my understanding of the simplicity that I had been raised in believing in Mormonism, in Jesus, and how the New Testament was put together, what the New Testament means, etc. Ehrman put a better realism onto it that showed that the Pap and Pablum Sunday School Mormon upbringing I had just doesn't cut the mustard. So Ehrman would be a sensational place for you to go. Now, I... Did Jesus Exist? Um, that's not his best book. I know a lot of people really liked it. I didn't. I read several book reviews of this from uh, Richard Carrier and Robert M. Price and several of those guys. And 
Ehrman didn't do that good of a job in that one. His Peter, Paul, and Mary Magdalene, the followers of Jesus in history and legend, that one was really kind of fun. That was based because of Dan Brown's The Da Vinci Code, right? Very famous. And then Jesus Before the Gospels and his book, God's Problem. And this is basically where Ehrman came out as being agnostic. He said, I, I no longer can believe. And then Jesus, the apocalyptic prophet of the new millennium. See, this is the Jesus of Bart Ehrman, the apocalyptic prophet. Others found him a Jewish peasant like Croissant. Each scholar appears to find the type of Jesus in the New Testament that they themselves uh, could be comfortable with. And no one single interpretation or view about Jesus prevails over the vast umbrella of biblical and historical Jesus scholarship. We just, we have to, let alone, <laughs> let alone faithful Jesus scholarship, you know. I mean, the history is as bad as the faith of the churches. Bad meaning nobody sees eye to eye. Uh, you know, Jesus and Epicureanism, that's where the real comparisons happen. Well, others say, well, no, it's Jesus and Gnosticism. The Gnostic Jesus is the more real Jesus, the more, the more actual historical Jesus. Others say, no, there was no historical Jesus whatsoever. That's the real Jesus, the one that doesn't exist. And it goes on and on and no end in sight, and no agreement. That's the problem with this study. Ehrman, Jesus Interrupted. Excellent. Revealing the hidden contradictions in the Bible and why we don't know about them. Misquoting Jesus, the story behind who changed the Bible and why. Another. These books really shifted my perception about the entire New Testament. Ehrman is probably one of the best guides for helping us laymen through the labyrinth of scholarship without being overly scholarly. Ehrman's Lost Christianities, excellent. And then he's got another big one, Lost Scriptures, another excellent text. Then his book Forged was one of my favorites. Uh, that one was extremely good. The Orthodox Corruption of Scripture. That was Ehrman's first book I read. I got this out of BYU Bookstore, and that was outrageously awesome. Now, James D. G. Dunn, uh, one of the, well, he's, he certainly writes the thickest books, for sure, for a Christian. Uh, but he's got the unity and diversity in the New Testament. Uh, one of the this book is exquisite. I think this is Dunn's best book myself. Uh, it helped me, this helped me grasp the naivete that had been built into me uh, from religion into the New Testament when the naivete was not in the New Testament, it was in me. And so when I went to express my faith in Jesus because of this or that or whatever, 
see Mormons, they'll Mormonize Jesus. They would rather quote the Book of Mormon than the New Testament. And if they do quote the New Testament, they make dang good and sure they can Mormonize that part of the New Testament by either using the Doctrine and Covenants, the Pearl of Great Price, the Joseph Smith translation, or the, uh, the Book of Mormon, right? This Dunn book, Unity and Diversity, that's a great book. It's thick, it's big, it'll take you a little while to get through. Uh, it'll, it'll change the course of how you perceive the, uh, the New Testament scripture, no question. And again, this I know this is dated. Now, Barclay, I mentioned Barclay at the very first of the video, where he is a good overview. Streeter, The Four Gospels, A Study of Origins. This is one of the more scholarly texts, and it is phenomenal, but it is older, I'm just saying. I'm not aware of any uh, newer studies that under one umbrella has put together the synoptic problem and, and the issue between the Gospels and the issue of the Gospels with outside historical sources, outside of early Christianity, etc. Streeter was, was one of the most impactful in that regard. Although he is an older book, I think you can still find him by googling him, get on Amazon. But that one, that blew me away. I was fortunate in that I can tell you before you read Streeter, if you decide to, and I think you should, uh, do read Dunn, Unity and Diversity. And there's, th th this is really, it's Dunn trying to be honest and analyze the New Testament view of Jesus. I really love this book. Streeter is a fabulous follow-up, but much more dense, more detailed. This, Gerd Thiessen and Annette Mertz. Holy Shishka and Bob. The Historical Jesus, a Comprehensive Guide. It's a gigantic book. It's, it's thick, it's big. They try to exhaustively analyze what went before, bring it all the way up into our day, and let's look at the pros and the cons. Let's look at some of the, the stronger arguments, and let's find out where the weak links are. Let's Let's analyze the criteria of historicity and see why they were misapplied before. Can we reapply them to good effect now? Th this incredible study still does not close the issue out, though. But it is thoroughly amazing. A 1998 book. Strongly recommend that one. But get ready for a mental workout. These guys are top of the dog. This one by Boots, the brother of Jesus and the lost teachings of Christianity. This was based on his PhD, on the brother James of Jesus. Fabulous book. That was a fun read. That was a fun read. Very good book. Oh, and, and here, see, this is the problem with the historical Jesus. In line with the historical Jesus of Mertz and Thiessen, Jesus' criteria and the demise of authenticity through, you know, the, the, uh, 
the issue of embarrassment, the criteria of embarrassment and stuff like that. Uh, these guys, uh, this is edited by Chris Keith and Anthony Ladon, Dale Allison Jr., Mark Goodacre, a phenomenal scholar, uh, Morna D. Hooker, uh, Scott McKnight, excellent, Rafael Rodriguez, very good, Jen Schroeder, oh, he's phenomenal, he's a German, uh, Lauren T. Stukenbrook, and Dagmar Winter, another fantastic, they analyze the specifics and details and compare the, ver the various criteria of authenticity with each other, which is how Richard Carrier analyzed it from his atheist point of view. These guys do that from a Christian point of view, and they say, our problem is we don't have any non-contradictory criteria of historicity that we can utilize to come to any final solid total sum-up conclusions for the historicity of Jesus, his actions, what he said, what he might not have said, etc. We still can't quite get to the bottom of it. They're trying to be realistic, and that's good. We have to be realistic. But the issues are huge, they're immense. I think now, um, what is it, 2021, I haven't seen a lot of uh, overly enthusiastic YouTube videos or, or podcasts or new books on the historical Jesus in the last decade. Uh, I think it's kind of petered out somewhat. Uh, perhaps something's going to be discovered, found, or, or reanalyzed, or something new's going to come up, and it'll pick it back up. It's kind of like the Dead Sea Scrolls. Certain subjects of interest pique our interest, and then they go down and they go away for a while. And then they come back, and then they go down and go away. Dead Sea Scrolls is a good example. Well, the Gnostic materials, although they're kind of being more steady now than the Dead Sea Scrolls. And the historical Jesus issue is another Tough one. Uh, this one by far, Dale Allison Jr. Constructing Jesus. That is absolutely the most thorough look at what kind of person Jesus was in print. This was staggering to me. Baker Academic, 2010, Dale Allison Jr. Get this book. But you'll find the real problem is that we don't know. But his attempt, by far and large, is, is the best effort that I've seen up to this point that I really, really liked. Uh, and then earlier on, Charlesworth, James A. Charlesworth's fantastic. Jesus' Jewishness finally started dawning on everyone, you know, we need to quit Christianizing Jesus, and Mormons need to quit Mormonizing him, and just realize, hey, we're dealing with a Jew who lived within the laws, the, the context, the culture, the society of Jews in Second Temple Judaism. Uh, and James Charlesworth kind of brings that context. Oh, and then this is Dale Allison Jr. again, the intertextual Jesus. Uh, very, very stunning detailed book. Now, these, these are the ones I wanted to talk separate. Philip Jenkins, The Jesus War, showing the history of later Christianity and how they basically politicized the whole stupid process of trying to force everyone into accepting a particular unified doctrine, and they did that through politics. Uh, and it, you know, 
the Jesus that Christianity ended up coming to believe is uh, a politically biased figure based on the later creeds of Christianity. That's what that book's about. Jesus and the Dead Sea Scrolls, again, another one by Charlesworth. This is a, a bit older, it's 20 years old, but as the, uh, as the Dead Sea Scrolls were coming around and people were making all kinds of claims about Jesus being in the Dead Sea Scrolls, Charlesworth analyzed it with several different scholars, and the, the scholarliness of this book was quite fun. It was interesting, it was well done. Uh, I learned a lot in that book. And basically the conclusion is there's nothing about Jesus in the Dead Sea Scrolls. It, they are too early, and Jesus was a little later than that cultural era. And then Morton Smith, Jesus the Magician, very controversial book. He was not well liked, and a large majority of people still don't like him, but don't count that subject out yet. Uh, if you can, you got to get this book, if nothing else, for historical interest, because there, new, new developments are coming out to where that may not have been so far off after all, <laughs> which is really interesting. Hector Avalos, The Bad Jesus, The Ethics of New Testament Ethics. The, this is a controversial book, too. Hector is a genuine... Uh, intellectual uh, college professor who really shows how the ethics of the New Testament, when we strip it of the later stamped on veneer of Jewish morality and, and interpretation, when we actually look at the ethics, they're pretty sardonic and bad. Uh, really good, kind of a takes an opposite stance as opposed to the Christian slant, the Jewish slant. And I like books like that because it gives you a broader context. And this one. Now this is by Thiessen and Winter. And this is the quest for the plausible Jesus and the question criteria. The question of criteria. And these guys also show how up to now the historical criteria that uh, scholarship has been able to somehow develop and drum up and put together concerning the historical Jesus just have not worked. Darn it. And then The Brother of Jesus by Shanks and Ben Witherington about James, the brother of Jesus, from The Secret Sayings of Jesus. That's the Gnostic Jesus stuff. And uh, oh, this was a fun one. This really was how Jesus became Christian by Barry Wilson. Uh, he shows the Christianization of a Jewish Jesus. If you want to see the Mormonization of the Jewish Jesus, just look at the Mormon view. They bring in the Book of Mormon and the Doctrine and Covenants and all that. Well, he shows how the Christians did the same thing with Jesus. With the criteria of the intertextuality, uh, one of the strongest books I've ever read is Thomas Brody, The Birthing of the New Testament, the intertextual development of the New Testament writings, where he essentially shows how the Gospels had 
the most important Old Testament narratives with which to build upon a new superstructure for their story of Jesus, namely the Elijah-Elisha narrative in the Old Testament. They used that as the basis and then built up the uh, information on Jesus in the New Testament. Intertextual Jesus. And then Adam Wynn, one of Brody's doctoral students, wrote Mark and the Elisha-Elijah narrative that also is in line with that. And then the, the Millers, and this one was a straddling book, the Gospel of Mark as Midrash on earlier Jewish and New Testament literature by Dale Miller and Patricia Miller, where they follow suit of of uh, Brody and they demonstrate in detail, exquisite detail, just shocking detail of how Mark was rewriting, he was copying and rewriting uh, Old Testament stories for his story of Jesus. It's a uh, fascinating topic. There are numerous types, whether they are cultural linguistic, whether they are socio-political, whether they <laughs> whether they are literary, archaeological. There's dozens of ways in which to approach this subject to even test if it has any valid history at all. And there's various pros and cons. Some people throw it all out. Some people say, well, this part is historical. This part is more of a, of a midrash. This is an addition to. Or they compare other uh, pseudepigrapha and apocryphal and Gnostic materials. They say, well, those parts of the Gnostic Gospel of the Mary Magdalene are authentic history, but this part in the Testament of Luke is not, etc. It, it's amazing. And then the new synoptic studies. Now, which synoptic gospel is the original from which the other ones copied? The argument has been mostly Mark or Luke or Matthew. <laughs> and that covers all of them, right? John is basically, I think everyone's agreed that John is somewhat of a different gospel, right? But the synoptics, this is edited by William Farmer. Now, Farmer was the one that took to task those who said Mark was the earliest. He really, he really thought either Matthew or Luke was. And uh, so you've got the argument within the argument of the argument for the argument with various scholars arguing the argument of the argument of which is the original and there is still no solid proof of it. But William Farmer, William Farmer, the synoptic problem, William Farmer, Jesus and the gospel, all of those piles of crap to read through. If you're interested in this subject, you'll never run out of uh, reading material. And then Memories of Jesus. Now, Don wrote an absolutely mammoth book. It's so big that it can build your biceps if you curl with it. Jesus Remembered. And he, just, he goes total all out in trying to verify a historical Jesus and his basis of the oral tradition. He, he emphasizes the orality of the gospel first before it was put into writing 
and there was a seminar on that, The Memories of Jesus, a critical appraisal of James Dunn's Jesus Remembered. This is by Robert B. Stewart and Gary R. Habermas as editors, and they just essentially tore poor James Dunn apart. There's no scholarly agreement on this utterly fascinating subject any more than there is church agreement between the Baptists, the Catholics, the Mormons, the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Seventh-day Adventists, the Lutherans, the Jews, or the Episcopalians. Jesus remains an enigma, but it's awful fun to read the different attempts. I suspect it's not going to be the destination that we get the most fun out of, but the journey through all of these hundreds of books exploring the creative ways, the imaginative ways, the historical ways, the scholarly ways, the spiritual ways to approach this enigmatic figure of Jesus. I think that's where it's at. You have Bishop John Shelby Spong, very controversial. Jesus for the non-religious. He's basically one of the most liberal Christians, and people either love him or hate him. James H. Charlesworth put together several seminars on the Messiah, trying to tie in ancient Israel's messianic prophecies, heritage and lineage, and tie them into Jesus. Very interesting. And then other seminars, Israel's Messiah in the Bible and the Dead Sea Scrolls. This is by Richard Hess and Daniel Carroll R. This is one of the better books. Leon Morris, The Apostolic Preaching of the Cross. He analyzes the doctrine, the meaning of the doctrine of the cross of Christ. Uh, it's really well done. He, he explores the, uh, I've used this in other of my research papers, he explores the Greek analysis of it quite a bit. Uh, McConkey probably wrote more words because his material was more flowery in his Moral Messiah series, but he focused on the doctrinal aspects of the Messiah, and that's, that's uh, Morris. And then the real Jesus, Luke Timothy Johnson. The real Jesus. He takes, he takes pot shots at the uh, Jesus Seminar. Uh, Kester, Helmut Kester, Ancient Christian Gospels. We know there were way more than four Gospels. Bart Ehrman is huge on this subject too. But uh, Kester, this is probably one of the more scholarly analysis. And, and it's very, very good. You, I, I would highly recommend it, but take the time to read it because he'll really give you some information you thought you didn't know that you don't know. And after you read that, you will know. And it'll blow you away how much you don't know after reading Helmut Kester. <sighs> Finally, this one, Making Sense of the New Testament. This is by Holzapfel and Wayman. This is the Mormon version of the New Testament, where they Mormonize everything and give you the bread and butter and the overview. But actually, this one's okay. The, this one's decent from a Mormon point of view. Nowhere near as thorough, scholarly, adroit, impressive as any of these other texts, but it gives you a Mormon view, a Mormon version, which is nice to have because you want to have all the different viewpoints. And I am hard on the Mormons because they should know better, but unfortunately they are beholden to their leaders, and their leaders are a bunch of numbskulls 
for the vast majority of time, and it doesn't have to be that way, but they've made it that way, so I'm a little hard on them. John Dominique Croissant, Who Killed Jesus? You're going to hate this book if you're a Christian. If you're a Mormon, you won't be able to hardly stomach it. But he raises a very important question about Jesus' death. And then Croissant again, the Jesus, a revolutionary biography. You're not going to like that one much either. That's why you need to read it. And uh, The Essential Jesus by John Dominique Croson. Croson's one of the more important historical Jesus authors, so of course I jumped on the bandwagon, tried to read as much of his crap as I could. Schroeder, Jen Schroeder, Jesus in the New Testament. Now this is the German scholar. His is a very carefully worded, carefully nuanced approach to Jesus that it's, it's because I'm too dense and uninformed, I can't understand what the hell he's trying to get to, but it's a great book. Uh, I, that's, Robert Hutchinson is on the other end of the spectrum from Schroeder, Searching for Jesus. This book is so utterly simplistic, pap and pablum, and idiotic in its logic and history, that you go, really? He got that published? Crap, I can publish better stuff than that. Uh, his analysis of history, it, it, it's geared for the little silver ladies in Christianity. You know, the little old gray-haired ladies in Mormonism would probably like this too. But for essential scholarship, there's much better text. I mean, even Croissant is better than that. Gaze of Vermes. Ooh, now... The changing faces of Jesus, gaze of Vermes. He approaches Jesus from a Jewish Dead Sea Scrolls scholar and scholarship because he was a Jewish scholar. Vermes is sensational. He demonstrates many, many of the uh, assumptions that we all have because we've been raised Christian or Mormon, whatever. He even really does question a lot of the Jewish assumptions, some of our uh, doctrinal interpretations, some of our cultural predilections where we want to see Jesus being a good guy because of this and all that. Gaze of Vermes uh, really takes us to task. That's an important book. That's a good book. The Jesus Quest by Ben Witherington. Now, that is a really, this one is good because it is a general overview, and he doesn't, he doesn't blitzoid you into much of the, in all of the scholarly details. He gives you more of a historic overview. He compares this particular school of scholarship with this approach, and then this one with this one and all that. To get a historical, nuanced view, Witherington's decent. Um, that that's worth reading. All of these are worth reading. And then an older view, Jesus and Historians Review of the Gospel by Michael Grant. And and this is okay. This will kind of get you. The, uh, Grant was kind of the earlier version of Bart Ehrman, but I do believe Bart Ehrman is much more scholarly. Uh, but but Grant's good. It, it's a decent start. And please don't tell me I have more. I, I have lots more. Uh, I just made a quick selection out of my library to try to give you the idea of the uh, of the different nuances, the the different schools, the approaches, the attitudes, the ideas. Some of them want to confirm Jesus to be our spiritual savior. Some of them want to discuss the historical Jesus. 
so that he's authentic, so that we can begin to believe in him. Others want to demonstrate Jesus never even existed at all. Others want to say, yeah, he existed, but he meant nothing anyway. He wasn't all that significant and important. There are so many, others have shown that there are 20 and 30 different Jesuses back in that day. So which one are we talking about? And they range in date from 100, I mean, Michael Wise, the first, the first, uh, the original teacher of righteousness or something like that. They range in date from 100 BC to 200 AD. All these different Jesuses. So, History has not been kind either to us or to Jesus. Um, so much has been lost. Oh, Richard Carrier is very good on that. So is, uh, where was that marginal? Yeah, A Marginal Jew by John P. Meyer. I've got his books up there. John P. Meyer is good on that too. Uh, this is a tough subject, uh, and there are thousands of different areas. There are thousands of different ways to approach the New Testament. The, I would propose, based on my, based on my personal experience and what I've wanted to uh, come away trying to grasp, come to understand, it's probably a critical thing for us to recognize that there are no eyewitnesses to Jesus. None of the documents are from eyewitnesses. They are all written later. That's probably the most important point to understand. Um, and there are various different takes, views, and interpretations. And, and I mean historically, as well as spiritually. The spirituality, the, the relationship, the spirituality and the relationship of Jesus with his Father is presented dramatically differently in the Gospel of John than he is in the three synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. That's probably pretty important to understand. Uh, the types of literature that the various writers of the Gospels had access to has been recently expounded on by Dennis R. MacDonald in his magnificent series of books on the Gospels and Homer and the uh, Luke and Virgil through the art of mimesis mimicking, copying the literature that was available to you, embellishing the original story, and making it even better, improving it. The Dionysian Gospel with the Gospel of John, Christianizing Homer, uh, there, he just mythologizing Jesus, does the New Testament imitate Homer, uh, the, Acts, the Acts of Andrew, etc. Dennis R. MacDonald has been a huge voice. He kind of meshes well with Dale Allison Jr.'s materials as well as with uh, Thomas Brody's materials and Daniel Wynn and the Millers. I mean, so there's various schools of thought. There's 
truly, it, I'm not kidding, it's almost endless. We have the new gospel of Judas that was discovered, and that was analyzed. I mean, I bought one, two, three, four, five, six different books on the gospel of Judas. <laughs> there is so much, and yet, it's not, a, it's not a complete waste of time. I am grateful I have taken the time to go through these materials that kind of at least helps me realize that it is a context that is bigger than we are. And we're never going to get that full context. So don't let that disappoint you and stop you from jumping in and appreciating so many very interesting studies of certainly the most interesting personality to ever grace our earth, if you're a Westerner. In the East, of course, they focus on Buddha, properly so. And that's another study that we all ought to be doing, but we don't. I mean, very few of us study Jesus like we should. I mean, I've been through a few hundred books in the last several decades, and this just doesn't even hardly scratch the surface, and there's tens and tens of thousands of pages. None of them are in agreement. We can't expect that. Our sources from that time are too limited. They're too fragmentary. You're just never going to get the whole picture. Just quit pretending like you have to have that. You can't. That's the way it is. That's the nature of the historical investigation. So when someone comes along to you and tells you, Hey, I have figured out Jesus! It's okay to listen to them, but don't buy into it. They'll probably want 10% of your money and have you spend all your days Sundays cleaning their toilets or something. Who knows what they'll require you to do, but my advice would be to be cautious. <laughs> so that's basically my rundown. I know I haven't been helpful at all with trying to help you begin to approach the New Testament. I would start with Bart Ehrman's materials. Barclay's book is good. Streeter is much more in detail. Um, but eventually I've given you enough here to at least keep you busy for a couple of weeks. And then you can move out from there. So, Anyway, thanks for watching my Backyard Professor videos. Be good, do well, have fun, make friends, be kind, and really truly realize that everybody out there is part of our greater humanity and that we all belong to the earth. So treat, another, treat one another kindly, read everybody else's research and writing, but don't adapt them as total pure truth. And I will see you in the next Backyard Professor videos.